All right, so as you guys know, um, whenever we turn on the news or read the headlines, the majority of what we see in here is downright tragic. I mean, it is really bad news. Would you guys agree with me this, this afternoon? I mean, we're talking about war crimes. We're talking about rape. We're talking about murder. We're talking about genocide. We're talking about significant poverty, widespread homelessness, alarming food shortages, as well as rising inflation. Now, the list that I just gave to you, that list just like barely scratches the surface of what is going on globally, and it's all part of living in a fallen world. Ladies and gentlemen, the reality is this, that life in a fallen world is difficult, and sometimes, you know, the future just seems very, very bleak. But on this Easter Sunday, I've got some great news to declare to you. And the news is this. Because of what Jesus Christ has done in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, born-again believers, we can look forward to a very bright future. We can look forward to a, a future. Listen that is filled, dominated with love and with peace and with righteousness. Because here's what I tell you all the time. I've read the last chapter, and in the end, we win. Why? Because Christ is risen from the grave, and that's why we are here today, to celebrate that. The Lord said to all who belong to him, quote, because I live, you also will live. That means that because he passed from death to life on his resurrection day, his body did not see decay. His body went from being dead to being alive. And so since he passed from death to life on his resurrection day, those of us who know him, those of us who belong to him, guess what? We have the promise that one day we're going to pass from death to life on our resurrection day. Make no mistake about it. The resurrection is coming. The prophet Daniel put it this way. He said, many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. I hope you're in that category. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. And so today we're gonna to look at three great resurrections, one that's already occurred in the past, two that are going to occur in the future. We're gonna look at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, which of course took place 2,000 years ago. And then in the future, we're gonna look at the resurrection of the saved, which is followed by a period of a 1,000 years. And then we're gonna look at the resurrection of the lost. You're gonna understand more as we go. But here's what you need to know ahead of time. I'll explain it later. But the saved will rise before the 1,000-year reign of Christ. We call it the millennium and live forever and ever, while the lost, they're gonna rise after the millennium, and according to Daniel, they're gonna live forever in shame and everlasting contempt. We start with the first resurrection, which is the most important of all, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you guys know 
that the resurrection of Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament. 1,000 years BC, 1,000 years before Christ, King David wrote this. He said, for you, God, will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Now, I just finished reading 1 Samuel in my devotions. I'm excited to get ready to go into 2 Samuel. The reason I love those two books in the Old Testament is because they're all about King David, one of my favorite characters in the word of God. But here's what I know because I've read it uh, so many times before. When I get to 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, when I get to 1 Kings chapter 2, David's gonna die. David's gonna die and they're gonna bury him and his body, his flesh is gonna decay. His body is gonna see corruption. All right, so since David died, who is this last line Holy one who will not see corruption. Who's this holy one whose flesh will not decay in the grave? And the answer is the Messiah. The answer is the Christ. A thousand years after King David, you get to the New Testament and you have the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, and he's preaching to thousands of people and he quoted Psalm 1610. And after he quoted what the, the, the verse I, we just had on the screen a little while ago, then he said this. He said, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of who? Christ. So you see what's happening in the New Testament? Peter, the apostles, reaching back a thousand years to the Old Testament, he's taking Psalm 1610, and he's saying that David was talking about, prophesying about the resurrection of Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are all Witnesses. Listen, we're talking about eyewitness testimony. And that leads us to our next passage under the resurrection of Christ. In Paul's letter to the church of Corinth, he wrote these famous words right here. And by the way, I hope you sit up and take notice right now because this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Ladies and gentlemen, hear this. If you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity, if you haven't heard it before, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, what did he do? He came to the earth. He was born of a virgin. He added a human nature to his already eternally existent divine nature. Fully God, fully man. He lived a perfect life, never sinned one time. And because he loves all of you, because he loves me and the entire world, he went willingly to a cross and he hung half naked and he bled. And he died, why? Because the wages of sin is death. He didn't want you to die and go to hell. So he said, man, I love them. And he hung on the cross for you and he paid for your sin in full. If you believe that, just say amen so I know you're with me today. 
That's what he did. It's a fact. And then he rose three days later, which is what Paul says. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. His body didn't see decay in the, in the grave. Why? He was only in there for three days. And that he appeared. We're talking eyewitness testimony. He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the 12. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. That's a euphemism for died. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, the apostle Paul says, as to one untimely born, because Paul got saved later, he saw the risen Christ later. So last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And Paul, the greatest enemy and persecutor of Christians, became the Apostle Paul, the greatest teacher, I believe, outside of Jesus Christ, greatest advocate of Christianity. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive and Jesus Christ changes lives. That's why. And so Paul said that the risen Christ was seen. We're talking eyewitness testimony. Paul said that he was seen by Peter, the risen Christ. And then he was seen by the 12. And then he was seen, get this, by over 500 people alive from the dead. And then he was seen by James. And then he was seen by all the apostles. And before I fall off the stage, <laughs> last of all, he was seen by the apostle Paul himself. That's a lot of people. Over 500 people. Ladies and gentlemen, I, God forbid this ever happened, but if somebody came in that door right now and uh, went to one of these ladies over here and, and grabbed the purse and there was a tug of war and we're all looking at that and he rips the purse and he goes out that side door. And then later the police apprehend him and arrest him and put him in jail. And then he posts bail and then later on at the trial, if five Hundred of us, one by one, at that trial, in front of the judge, in front of the jury, if one by one we look at that guy and say, yep, that's him, he's the one who stole the purse. Yep, that's him, he's the one who stole the purse. Let me tell you something, there would not be a jury in America that would not convict that man as guilty. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ was seen alive after he was crucified and after he died on the cross by over 500 people. What does that mean? That means that Jesus Christ is guilty of rising from the dead. That's what it means. And somebody says, well, how do you know Paul didn't just make it up? How do you know he just didn't lie? Well, look very closely at verse six. And by the way, we don't check our brains at the door when we come to church, we dig in because there's evidence for the resurrection. Look very carefully, then he, the risen Christ, appeared to over 500 brothers at one time. Look at this, most of whom are, what's the next two words? Still alive. Though some have fallen asleep, some have died. Now Paul wrote this letter Around A.D. 55, that's about 25, within 25 years of the death of Christ. Don't talk to me about legend. 25 years is not enough time for legend to come into play. 
Paul writes this letter. This is the earliest Christian creed within about 25 years of the death of, of Jesus Christ. And he said that most of the 500 plus people who saw the risen Christ were still alive when he penned that letter. What does that mean? That means in AD 55, over 250 eyewitnesses were still alive. I love the phrase, maybe I need to write a book someday. Still alive in AD 55. Because here's the thing, if you were a skeptic and you lived in the first century and you think Paul's just making all this stuff up, you personally could go knock on the door of over 250 people and you could say, did you really see the risen Christ? And every single one of them would look you in the eye and say, absolutely, we saw Jesus alive after he was crucified and died on the cross. What, do you, what, what does that mean? That means, ladies and gentlemen, whether we like it or not, whether people believe it or not, whether college professors, professors think it's true or not, listen, none of that matters. What does this mean? It means that the resurrection of Christ is a fact of history. And that's why there's millions of people around the world right now worshiping and praising and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is not fantasy land. This is not pie in the sky by and by. We're talking about truth and we're talking about reality. How many of you are glad that Christ has risen from the grave and he's still changing lives today? Are you really happy about that? Let them know. Now's your opportunity right now to put your hands together, to shout, to praise, to let the Lord know how much we thank him and how much we love him. We're not talking about a religion in somebody's head. We're talking about a changed life because Jesus is alive. And so Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. Therefore, those of us who belong to him, we have a very bright future. And that leads us to our next point. We're now talking about the resurrection of the saved. Now, before I get into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I need to talk to you a little, a little bit about Leviticus chapter 23. Because in Leviticus 23, God gives Moses instructions about various feasts of Israel. One of the feasts was the feasts, feast of first fruits. And so during the feast of first fruit, fruits, what happened was, which by the way happened in the spring, an Israelite would go out to his crop, his field, and he would cut down a sheaf of barley, the first fruits of that crop. And he would take it to the priest. And the priest would lift it up and he would wave it before the Lord, dedicating the first fruits to the Lord. I believe with an attitude of gratitude. You see, the first fruits, ladies and gentlemen, anticipated a whole harvest of barley that they would gather later. And so using that feast as an illustration, Paul wrote this. He said, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The, please shout out what's underlined there. Of those who have fallen asleep or those who have died. And so Paul reaches back and he uses the feast of first fruits as an illustration, which by the way, listen to this, took place on the day after the Sabbath, which followed Passover. Think through, the, think, think through this with me. You have the week of 
Passover, right, unleavened bread. You have the week of Passover. And then the Sabbath that follows that is on a Saturday. And then the Feast of First Fruits is on Sunday. I hope it's starting to click with you because the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, quote, Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. He died for our sins. He was buried, and on Saturday, the Sabbath, his body was in the grave. But guess what? He wasn't in there long enough for his body to see corruption because on the next day, the Feast of First Fruits, Jesus Christ comes marching out of that grave alive from the dead. Paul uses that as an illustration for the resurrection of Christ. And so listen, just like the first fruits of barley anticipated a whole harvest, a whole crop that they're gonna gather later, Jesus Christ is the first fruits. What does that mean? That means that we anticipate, we look forward to a whole harvest, not of barley, but a whole harvest of believers who are also gonna rise from the dead in the future. This is exciting. This is great. Some people are thinking, man, I'm clapping so much and I don't know if I should clap or not. It's okay in church to clap if you love the Lord. It's okay to shout if you love the Lord. It's okay to get excited if you love the Lord. Listen, you'll jump up and down at a football game, you'll scream and holler at a basketball game, but for Jesus Christ, you're just gonna sit here like this? No, no, sometimes if you're excited, then it's okay to say amen. It's okay to say praise the Lord. And sometimes it is okay to just sit like this because I'm an introvert and I do that too. But I'm, I'm just saying it's okay to express your emotion for the Lord. Man, I so loved the incredible expression of love and devotion that we saw today during worship. Jesus Christ is worthy of all of that. He's worthy. And so when is this resurrection gonna take place? Well, that leads us to our next passage under the resurrection of the saved. Paul has written to the church of Corinth and then he writes to the church in a city called Thessalonica. And Paul is writing to these believers in Thessalonica, one of the reasons is to encourage them because some of their loved ones who were Christians had died. And I don't know who I'm talking to in this room. I don't know who I'm talking to watching online. But maybe you have a loved one who's a Christian who died and you're hurting and you miss them. Well, here's the thing. You need to know that just like Paul said what I'm about to quote to the Thessalonican Christians, the same word goes for you today. Here it is, and I quote, don't grieve like those who have no hope. Ladies and gentlemen, when you're absent from the body, you're present with who? The Lord. The moment a Christian takes their last breath, yes, their body dies, but their soul immediately goes into the presence of the Lord. Now, this is the thing though, that's not where it ends. There's gonna be a resurrection of our bodies. And so, Paul wrote these famous words. 
For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will, what's the next word there? Rise. Woo! Bodily resurrection will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so one day the father is gonna look at his son. He's gonna say, son, go get your bride. And the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, is gonna descend from heaven with a shout. Why? Because listen, guys, we're excited on our wedding day. He's gonna come down, and guess what? He's gonna bring those Christians who died, whose souls are with him in heaven, he's gonna bring those souls with him down into our atmosphere. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy, I'm just teaching God's word. And he's gonna go, and Jesus Christ is gonna put on the brakes when he gets to the clouds. And the souls of those departed Christians are gonna keep going down, 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 all the way to their physical remains, whatever that looks like. And God is gonna change their physical remains to resurrected, eternal, immortal, indestructible bodies. And the dead in Christ, verse 16, are gonna rise first. How long is this gonna take? 1 Corinthians 15 says it's gonna be like twinkling of an eye. Just close your eyes for a second. That's how fast. And they're gonna rise first and they're gonna go back up to where Jesus is in the clouds. And then one of the most exciting verses in the Bible. Look at this. Paul says, then, please shout out the next word. We. Paul didn't know when the rapture would occur. Nobody knows. Therefore, we should not set dates Now, I believe personally the Lord wants every generation of Christians to live in the expectation that the Lord could come at any time. He says, then we who are alive, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. There is going to be a generation of Christians who will not die. Why? Well, let's look at the rest of the verse. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be, please shout out what's underlined, caught up together with them, who? The dead in Christ who already rose. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord. The English phrase caught up is the Greek word harpazo and it means to forcefully carry off. It means to snatch away. It means to seize. If you look up caught up, in the Latin Vulgate, you'll see the word rapimur, rapimur. And so we get our English word rapture from the Latin rapio, which has to do with being carried away in ecstasy. And so those of us who belong to Christ, those of us who've been, who've been born again by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, one day, if we're alive and the rapture happens in our lifetime, we are gonna be carried away in the greatest joy and the greatest ecstasy we could ever imagine. It's gonna be absolutely amazing. And as we go up, 
God's gonna change our lowly body. Everybody looked at your body and just say lowly. <laughs> it's true, right? I mean, you feel the pains? Some of you say, well, I work out. Guess what? You're still gonna die. <laughs> Unless the rapture happens first. But he's gonna change our lowly body at the resurrection, at the rapture, to be glorified bodies. And that leads us to our next passage. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica. Now he's writing to the church of Philippi. I'm just so grateful for the apostle Paul. Again, I believe, outside of Jesus, greatest teacher in Christian history. Wrote more books than anybody else in the New Testament. So amazing, his mind was so incredible and his teaching was just so helpful. But Paul said this to the Christians in Philippi, our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, not maybe, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Christian, if you wanna know what you're gonna be like in the future, all you gotta do is look at Christ's glorified body, his resurrected body. Because here's what I know, after our resurrection, we're not gonna float around forever as ghosts or as spirits in a misty, foggy, dark realm where we look through the fog and it's like, Grandma? Oh, and you go to hug Grandma and whoosh, she goes right through you or whatever. No, that's not how it's gonna be at all. What is the promise of the word of God? The promise of the word of God is that Christ is gonna transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, tangible. That means that Jesus saw with resurrected eyes. He heard with resurrected ears. He felt with resurrected skin. He walked through closed doors. He appeared and he disappeared. And my favorite thing of all, he ate food. <laughs> yes. And when he shall appear, we're gonna be like him. It's gonna be absolutely amazing. And listen, there's gonna be lots of food in the kingdom of God. And when we eat, here's the good news. That when we eat, it's not gonna be for nutrition. We have immortal bodies. We're not eating for nutrition. We're not eating all this like lettuce stuff. <laughs> no, when we eat, we're gonna eat for pleasure. And we're gonna eat for celebration. <laughs> Jesus Christ in his resurrected body ate food. And so when he shall appear, we're gonna be like him. And so what does that mean? That means that you and I can eat and eat and eat and we're not gonna gain an ounce. It's gonna be isn't heaven gonna be wonderful? It's gonna be absolutely great. And so, we're gonna switch gears here for a moment because we're getting ready to do the last resurrection. And I really want you to hear me, so if you're listening, say amen here. Amen. Okay, so John, who wrote Revelation, the Apostle John, on the island of Patmos, God gives him a vision of the future. And as he's writing Revelation, 
he sees a vision of the future tribulation. If you're new to the Bible, the tribulation is a seven-year period in the future, um, which is gonna be absolutely devastating. Think of Ukraine all over the world. Somebody, some people think we're already in the tribulation. We are not in the tribulation. Listen, I've taught through Daniel. Uh, I've taught through Revelation twice. Eschatology, end time events, is one of my favorite subjects. We're not in the tribulation. The beginning of the tribulation is when a political leader, known as the Antichrist, signs a strong covenant with Israel for seven years. That's Daniel 9, verse 27. That hasn't happened. We think that's probably gonna be a peace treaty between Israel and her neighbors that this political leader is going to orchestrate. That has not happened. We're not in the tribulation period. But nonetheless, John has a vision of the future tribulation. In the tribulation, millions of people, praise God, are gonna get saved. And they're gonna be persecuted and they're gonna be martyred. They're gonna lose their heads. And John has a vision in Revelation chapter 20, verse four. And what does he see? He sees the souls of those who were martyred for their faith in Christ rise, bodily rise from the dead. They're gonna come to life and they're gonna reign with Jesus for a thousand years on this earth in the millennium. Now, what does that mean? That means, not to get too complicated here, but that the resurrection of the saved I believe will occur in two stages. First, you have the resurrection of the church, the bride of Christ, which includes, remember the dead in Christ rise first, that includes the rapture of living Christians before the tribulation, and then you have the resurrection of these tribulation saints, those who get saved during the tribulation, during that seven years, at the end of the tribulation, and many scholars believe the Old Testament believers are gonna rise at that time as well at the end of the tribulation. Right now, if you are completely confused, I hope this helps you. When you look at things to come in the future, there is gonna be the rapture of the church. First Corinthians 15, First Thessalonians chapter four, we already talked about it, it's in the word of God. I personally believe that comes before the seven-year tribulation. Then you have the second coming of Jesus Christ. Then there's gonna be the resurrection of the tribulation saints. There's gonna be a thousand-year reign of the son of David, Jesus Christ on this earth. There's gonna be a great white throne judgment, and then there, Revelation 21 and 22, is gonna be a new heaven and a new earth. Now listen, I know it's a lot to take in, and some people, you know, they kind of just avoid end time events. Well, Paul told Timothy, Pastor Timothy, preach the word. Guess what? End time events are all through this book. We can't avoid it. We gotta be faithful. We gotta preach it. And if you wanna go deeper into any of these subjects, there's a book by Dwight, Dr. Dwight Pentecost called Things to Come, it's about that thick, okay? So if you don't want all that detail, you can read anything on the end times by Dr. David Jeremiah. Awesome Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah, John MacArthur, Chuck Smith, David Guzik, the Got Questions website, 
Dr. Ed Heinsen from Liberty University, who was here two years ago, he did an end times conference. It's on our website. You go to sermons, you go to recent sermons, scroll down, and his conference is right there. Uh, My Revelation series, verse by verse, all the way through, it's there on our website for those who wanna go deeper on this topic of eschatology. But after the thousand year reign of Christ, there's gonna be another resurrection. After the millennium, there's gonna be another, another resurrection. It's very, very serious, it's very, very sobering to think about, and that leads us to the last resurrection, and that's the resurrection of the lost. You see, after John wrote about those tribulation saints who are martyred for their faith and then rise and then reign with Christ for a thousand years in verse four, he says this, in chapter 20, verse five, this verse right here. He says, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were, what's the word there? Ended. And so after the millennium, lost souls from all ages are gonna be released from hell. Now listen to me. Absent for Christians, absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. For those who are lost, absent from the body, like the rich man in Luke 16 who didn't know the Lord, Jesus, who knows a lot about this subject, said that in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. And so, at the end of the millennium, What's gonna happen? Lost souls from all ages will be released from hell and be reunited with their physical remains in the grave and they too will rise from the dead and they will go to, Revelation 20 verse 11, the great white throne judgment. As far as we know, everybody who goes to this judgment are lost. After they're judged, what happens? John says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is not annihilation. They're risen. They have resurrected immortal, eternal, indestructible bodies. And now listen, Jesus said there's gonna be two resurrections. Anybody who performs miracles that's witnessed by scores and scores of eyewitnesses, genuine, bona fide miracles, anybody who dies and then three days later comes back to life and walks out of a tomb, I'm gonna listen to him. I'm not gonna get in my car and forget the sermon. I'm not gonna say, ah, whatever. Anybody who rises from the dead and is seen by over 500 people, eyewitnesses, I'm gonna listen to him. And as I'm writing the sermon this week, and I get to this part, I had a witness in my spirit from the Holy Spirit about what I'm gonna say to you right now. I had a peace from the Lord. I don't know who this is for. But Jesus said there will be two resurrections, and here's where God witnessed to my heart. 
And Jesus doesn't want us to be surprised by this. He doesn't want us to be surprised. He doesn't want us to go, I didn't know. What? The Lord spoke to my heart about that. And so listen, this is super serious. And he did everything he can do. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says that he desires all to be saved. And God became flesh and went to a cross and paid for our sins and rose again, why? So we could be redeemed. But if you're like, ah, you're gonna be at the great white throne judgment. And so it's so important that you listen to what I'm gonna say. In the next passage, Jesus Christ, John 5, verses 28 and 29, he said, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice, the voice of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and come out. Do you see it? Jesus said, they're in their tombs, and they're gonna come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, hermeneutics 101. The word hermeneutics means Bible interpretation. We have to rightly handle the word of truth. Hermeneutics 101 necessitates that you take any passage, including that passage, and you interpret it within its context, within the context of the chapter, within the context of the book where you find it, and in the context of the entire testament. And so here's what we have to do. We have to interpret Jesus' words within the context of what he already said in John chapter five. We're gonna go verse by verse through that next week. We have to interpret Jesus' words in the context of the Gospel of John. And we have to interpret Jesus' words in the context of the entire New Testament. And so when we do that, here's what we find out. You know that Jesus was not teaching that somebody can earn their salvation by doing good works. Ladies and gentlemen, hear the word of God. For by grace... You are saved. Paul's writing this to Christians in the church of Ephesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, lest anyone should boast. But then in the very next verse, Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so here's what I know to be a fact. Christian, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from meritorious works. But then after we're saved, our faith is proven genuine, by evidential works. Now that's so important, I gotta say that one more time. So if you're listening, say amen here. Amen. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from meritorious works, trying to earn our way to heaven. And then after we're saved, our faith is proven genuine by evidential works. John MacArthur put it this way. John MacArthur said, in essence, works Merely, shout out the word please. 
evidence one's nature as saved or unsaved, but human works never determine one's salvation. And so when we're born again, and by the way, that's a biblical term that Jesus used in John 3, and he said, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. And so when we're born again through authentic faith in Jesus Christ, we receive a new nature. And what is the evidence of that new nature being born again? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what kind of creation? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The question is, have you become a new creation? Have you been born again? That's the question. Now, let's think of conversion like a coin. Repentance on one side, faith on the other. Two sides of the same coin. What is repentance? The word repentance, metanoia, in its basic form means a change of mind. And so it's, it's when you come to the place where you change your mind about your sin. You come to accept the fact that my sin is wrong. My sin offends God. My sin, the wages, the penalty of my sin is death. And I need to be forgiven. And then you change your mind about yourself. You come to accept the, 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 the fact that there's nothing I can do to save myself. There's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. And then you change your mind about the Savior Jesus Christ wasn't just some religious leader, some teacher. No, he's fully God and fully man. And he went to a cross and he paid for my sins, your sins in full. He didn't want you and I to die and go to hell, so he was our substitute. He took the punishment we should have received. He died in our place and rose again the third day. Listen, repentance, and then the other side, faith. What does that mean? Trust. That means personal trust. The Bible says, as many as received Jesus, to them who he gave the right to become children of God, to as many who received Jesus, who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God, children of God. And so what, 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 what does that mean? We change our mind, right, about sin and self and the Savior, and we receive Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord of our lives. And it's no longer I know about Jesus. Now, I know Jesus. I have a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're here today, what better day than Easter Sunday? But if you're here today, and you would like to receive Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord of your life. Listen, he hung publicly, half naked, to pay for your sins with no shame and no embarrassment. And so if you today wanna receive Jesus Christ as the Savior and the Lord of your life publicly, I wanna ask you to just stand up right now and remain standing, whoever you are. What better day than Easter to go to a place where you know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I'm gonna wait for just a moment, but man, please be praying, but if there's, I know there's people here who need to do this. If you want to receive Christ as the Savior and Lord of your life, I'm gonna ask you to just stand up wherever you are and remain standing. I'm just gonna wait here for just a moment. God bless you. Let's encourage these people. Awesome, man, that's beautiful. Anybody else? God bless you, beautiful. Anybody else? Just stand and remain standing. I admire the courage, that's amazing. Anybody else? Listen, you know you need to do this. Listen, give God a chance. Don't say no to the Lord. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Let the Lord change your life. Just stand to your feet, whoever you are, if you wanna come to Christ today. Today's the day of salvation. I'm just gonna wait here for just a second, see if there's anybody else that would like. God bless you, man, God bless you. Yeah, awesome, awesome, beautiful. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. Praise the Lord, yeah, yeah. And there may be people, God bless you, all the way in the back, praise the Lord. God bless you, sir. Awesome, awesome. Let's really encourage these people. This takes a lot of courage. It's amazing, right? Listen, there may be people right now over in the, in the calming room. Just stand to your feet. The Lord sees, doesn't matter if I see it, the Lord sees it. Just stand to your feet if you're in the calming room. If you're at home, who cares who's watching you? Just stand up from your couch. Man, it's time to come to Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Amen, awesome, awesome, yeah. Yeah, praise the Lord, awesome. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, beautiful. God bless you in the back, God bless you. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, Jesus said, if you'll acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. So, this is why it's so important to, to make your faith public. And so, um, I praise God for you guys and your courage. And so, listen, here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to um, lead you guys in prayer to receive the Lord. And it's very, very important that you don't just repeat words after me. This has gotta be your prayer to the Lord. Now, here's, hear this. No prayer saves anybody. It's the faith in Jesus in your heart, okay? And so, um, just bow your heads, say this from your heart, out loud to the Lord. Church family in support, can we say it out loud too? Uh, uh, we just wanna support and encourage those who are doing this. And so, just say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sins. I know the penalty of my sin is death. but I believe you paid that penalty for me by dying on the cross. Thank you so much. I believe you rose from the dead. So now I come to you. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. I receive you, Jesus, as the Savior and the Lord of my life. Please empower me by your spirit to live for you. It's in your name I pray, amen. amen. 
as you guys are sitting down, man, let's encourage these people. God bless you guys. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You guys can be seated. You guys can be seated. Beautiful, beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. Now, here's what we're gonna do. In a moment, Pastor Will is gonna give some final announcements and then close in prayer. So those of you who just received Christ as your savior, we wanna give you a free Bible. So we want you, after the closing prayer, to come here to the center, okay, because that's where people are gonna be here to encourage you and give you the free Bible, um, just encourage you in your faith. Listen, if you're here and and you're struggling or hurting over something, uh, we wanna be your church family and minister to you. And so there's gonna be ministry partners on either side that are gonna be available to pray over you, to help you in your time of need, encourage you. In fact, ministry team, come on forward right now. And so um, we wanna be here for you as your church family, because we love you. And so um, we just, again, wanna thank the Lord uh, so much for what he's doing here at our church and our school. And I wanna say personally, I love you guys. So honored to be your pastor. And Pastor Will, come on out and close us out. God bless you guys.